I know we just got another one. We're here, guys, and I got to pee, but we can do this. Welcome to Unimed's Innovation Overground, where we dig into some of those amazing innovations that we often hear about but never seem to actually touch our lives. And we're here to find out what it takes to make some of those academic discoveries into actual things. Thank you for joining us. We're sponsored by Unimed, the Technology Transfer and Commercialization Office for the University of Nebraska Medical Center and the University of Nebraska at Omaha. My name is Charlie Litton, and I'm joined by Joe Rungi. Say hi, Joe. Hi, Charlie. Joe works in the intellectual property office there and the, uh, is a lawyer by training and does a, a little bit of science. Um, also joined by Tyler Scher. Say hi, Tyler. Hi, Charlie. Tyler's a licensing guy at, uh, at Unimed as well. Um, Joe, you have something you want to tell the people? Please be sure to rate the podcast so other people can discover it and please subscribe. As well as also check out our featured technology of the day in the program notes. Uh, there's one every week and it's always our focus to make sure that we're talking about something in particular. And we always find it interesting. Yes, indeed. And we do uh, really appreciate that because one of the things we really want to do is we want to tell these untold stories about how university innovation can really change the world in, in amazing ways. Um, so all that said, I think it's about time that uh, we went over something we were talking about last time, which was my favorite thing about tech transfer, you know, being a non-scientist. Um, one of the things that I found remarkable is as we – all these new amazing innovations come in and how many times so many great ideas turns out have been thought of before, you know? And so I was thought it was pretty cool that we could tell a scientist, a researcher that, you know what, you're actually covering ground that's kind of already been covered. You know, have you thought about looking in this direction or that direction? I mean, what do you guys think about that? What do you think, Joe? So that's always a really good indicator of a, a collaborative relationship. If you have a, an early discovery when a faculty member is really excited about an invention, and you can go to them and say, this looks pretty similar to this paper that was published in a journal you didn't know about or a patent that was published that you hadn't read. And you have a faculty member go, oh, gee, that is pretty similar. What can we do? That's where you start getting a more interesting conversation, um, how you can uh, collaborate with your faculty to get them away from the well-trod ground into something that's a little bit more blue ocean. So Tyler, you were actually in the lab, so you're a PhD, right? And so you put the lab coat up yes. because of your fun. We talked about this before, too, that, you're, that the amount of failure that we run into, not necessarily your particular failure. I just. failed a lot. But <laughs> <laughs> well, did you ever run into um, something where you thought you were onto something and you saw that it had already been done before? Yeah, actually, yeah. Really? Yeah. So okay. I always had, so I was doing multiple projects. So I was working in a research lab focused on the um, immune cell interactions with bacterial biofilms, and in particular MRSA or Staph aureus. And uh, I, I had You're talking about those really nasty infection type, type bugs, right? Yeah, the uh, antibiotic resistant. They cause okay. the leading cause of, of um, implant device infections, for example, and other infections as well. And. Uh, uh, so I, I had multiple projects going on, as everyone did in, in, in the Achillean lab. It's a great lab. Um, but I always had one project, kind of a pet project on the side that I continued to work on. And for, I was, you know, I was in the lab for five years and only discovered 
um, when I was writing my thesis, and this, including this as a chapter, that someone had already done a lot of the research that I had done. Oops. But yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but it was in, it was published in some obscure journal, you know, 20 years ago. Okay. So it would have been really hard to find. But, but how many times now, now on the other side of it, how many times have you been gone back to a research and said, you know, funny thing, you should uh, do this research because we found this. Yeah, no, this has already happened uh, at least a handful of times. Wow. So, okay, and you've yeah, been yeah. with us now for like a year and a half, so yeah, it's not not insignificant amount. No, and it, just with all the literature out there, it, and then when you include, as Joe as Joe mentioned, when you include all the patent literature as well, it's impossible for researchers to really keep up um, with everything. I mean, it's it's enough work to keep up with everything that's currently going on, and oftentimes we lose sight of. Uh, it's easy to lose sight of what <clears throat> what happened a couple decades ago. So, I mean. Can you think of a time then when you were looking at a, or you were able to help a, I don't know, a researcher, and that doesn't have to be a researcher, I suppose, but an inventor that just by looking what's already out there and, and what they're looking at, find some open space for them, you know, some area that just hasn't been covered at all that, you know, you know what, your idea is kind of good, but if you could tweak it in such and such a way, it could be really great because it would be all alone by itself over here in this different area. So one really good example of that is uh, the biomechanics laboratory at the University of Nebraska-Omaha. They spend a, a great deal of time looking at patterns. The biomechanics department is pretty amazing. I mean, It is the largest freestanding biomechanics research facility in the world. Yeah, and so for those who don't know, biomechanics simply is... It's the study of motion, and okay. they look at how the way people move can indicate underlying things about their biology. So they can do really interesting things by essentially looking and doing very complex measurements of how people walk. They can assess if they have pre-symptomatic diseases. Uh, similarly, they can look at the way people stand and figure out if there's patterns that are present there that indicate whether they have presence of disease. They have an ongoing study uh, that had been looking at developmental milestones in infants. And what they would do is they would put babies that were old enough to sit on a very, very sensitive bathroom scale and what that would do is it'd figure out their exact center of gravity sort of moment by moment. And then they would look at how that would fluctuate over time. When you're standing still, uh, for both of our listeners out there, you're never standing still. You're constantly making little corrections. If you want a, a fun experiment, I remember when I was in, a trainer in high school, uh, we would do this. You would try to stand on one foot with your eyes closed for as long as you can. It's actually hard. It's because you're constantly taking little environmental cues to sort of correct your balance. And so as that sort of center of gravity moves, your center of balance moves, you can look at patterns in how it moves to figure out if you're healthy. They were, at the time, looking at that to figure out developmental milestones for, for children. But they had done this paper years Developmental what Like what? Like, like being able to read? No, like whether or not uh, a baby is sitting up uh, oh, stably. Oh, right. Oh, the tiny babies. Tiny babies, okay, yeah. These, yeah. Are, these are like six months to one-year-old kids before they can really walk. And they're using a scale to... to they're using something called a, a um, oh my gosh, what's it called? Like a pressure sensor? Yeah, a force plate. Or a force plate. Thank force you, plate. Tyler. That's why he's a scientist. Um, and, and so the, the force plate, what it is, it's just filled with these lots of these. The things are incredibly heavy because they're just filled with these sensors. And so they have really, really specific resolutions. So you can see exactly where your center of balance is. And so just imagine like a little box, right, a little square. And then second by second, your precise center of balance moves. And so now imagine a graph of that over time. And so what the biomechanics facility found is that there are all these repeating patterns 
that you kind of get into this stable pattern where your balance just sort of cycles over and over and over. Hmm. If you're challenged, right, if you have to stand up or sit up, then that changes and it comes to another stable pattern. And their overarching research relates to how the variability in those patterns relates to underlying incidence of disease. And so in this case, if there were some uh, maybe really hard to detect developmental um, delays, that instead of waiting until they're really manifest in, in obvious dysfunction, you could see it early on. So we, could, we, could we be talking about like autism? Or... No, this would be much more if uh, you have some muscular problems that are going to stop you from, hmm. that are going to stop a, a, a young child from being able to walk at an early okay. age. These would be much more related to things like um, cerebral palsy and things like that. Okay. So, you know, when we initially did market research on that, we found that that was going to be very difficult to commercialize because there wasn't sort of a well-established market for inventions like that. And there wasn't, while there's an identifiable need, it, it really had a harder time catering to that market. And in general, we've always had difficulty with pediatric inventions because the, the, the market is smaller um, and there just is, is generally less interest. There's less invested companies. In, yeah, in you could have a great idea, but if nobody wants to buy it, what can you do with it, right? So the thing that was really interesting is when we were doing research on this, one of the inventors mentioned, oh, we, we kind of use the same approach to look at the assessment of concussion is that interesting? Like, yeah, that's that's it's a little, yeah. You know, because that was really early in the um, the the determination that, that concussion was a big problem in athletics, and um, really kind of more at that point interested in traumatic brain injury. And so, what they had done is they had taken data from a football team, uh, I believe, in North Carolina, and the 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 research program there had their football team standing on these force platforms after every game. And what they're able to find is that there would be a, a, a specific change in the pattern of their stable standing as they would sort of stand on this platform when it correlated to them getting So they're not doing anything but just standing there. They're just standing And there. just by, by how long, like 30 seconds? They're actually minute? pretty long. I think it was a couple of minutes because okay. they were doing multiple analyses. They weren't intending this at the time for that. So standing there, you get to see whether or not it an athlete mm -hmm. is concussed. Yes. Even um, though maybe the current, well, how does that, how is that any better than the current testing that they do now? I know they have these, uh, I guess before the season or before, like for football, for example, I know that I think they have a test now where they, I don't know, I don't know exactly how it works, but it's almost like a, like, a, like an entrance exam or something like that. And then if they think you've been concussed, then yeah, it's called a cognitive test. Cognitive and it's test, called the okay. impact test. Right, okay. And basically what it is is it's a series of very quickly administered questions that are able to assess whether you have diminished cognitive capability. If you get hit really hard and you can't think as well, that's what it's meant to assess. Okay, and so go ahead. Well, th that's kind of the lead product right now. That That's kind of the way in which a lot of um, – short of actually having a doctor on the sidelines – you know, a lot of, uh, especially amateur athletes, that's how they get assessed. But isn't that the part of the problem, though, is is even a doctor can't really diagnose a concussion very well, can they? Well, and, you know, if we had a concussion expert on here, they, they would talk about how complicated concussions are. You right. know, concussions, there's this sort of belief that you get hit really hard and you get a concussion, when in reality, the concussion may happen substantially delayed from the mm -hmm. actual trauma. You know, concussion is a process um, and really... There's an emphasis now in figuring out recovery. 
it's actually even harder to determine, or there are some who think that there it's even harder for um, players to be safely determined as recovered from a concussion than actually having got a concussion. And so there's um, there's limits as to tests like the impact test. There are uh, devices to sort of look and see how hard you've been hit. There are currently blood tests to figure out if you've got markers in your blood associated with brain trauma. All these are really interesting technologies, but they're different than what this invention would have been applied for. So this invention that originally came to us as a, a means to assess whether or not babies are developing at an appropriate rate was sort of repurposed based on not just our interest, but there was a local entrepreneur who was interested in finding something related to athletics. And just kind of by accident, due to his working with the inventor, came the idea to repurpose this developmental tool into something that was a uh, concussion detection system. This sounds really cool. So would this be any better? Were you going to add something, Tyler? Sorry. Oh, no. No, no. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, that's fine. Sorry. Um, All right. So is this thing any closer than to or any better as far as we know? So that's actually what's really interesting about the project because – we have this opportunity, right? And we have this sort of research platform that has this study that looks really compelling, but there is uh, still a real need to talk to the people who actually use it. And so the entrepreneur that worked on this project, his name is Preston Badir, he ended up working with a local startup accelerator called Straight Shot, which was funded by a local venture capital fund. And what he spent all his time on was calling high schools. And and Preston was not an athlete. Uh, He... Uh, kind of came at this from a very um, fresh perspective because he, he didn't have a lot of experience with it. And he just kept asking, why don't we do better concussion assessment? What, what, what are the really, what are your problems with it? And the main problem was time. If you have a high school with one coach and maybe you know, two full football teams, you can't do anything that takes a couple of minutes per kid because yeah. otherwise that's, that's a day. You need something that is, he would call it frictionless, where the kids can administer it themselves. It could be done really easily as part of the practice schedule. And so rather than sort of do what the invention sort of seemed like it was, which is get this really sophisticated piece of equipment, have everyone do this long-term analysis, he worked with the inventors to make something incredibly simple. What was a $50,000 instrument, he ended up replicating on, on a Wii Balance which is like 60 bucks. Wow. And it was really cool because cool. I actually drove the inventor down to kind of the, the startup farm where he was working, which was in this you know building downtown in Omaha. And he had taken this laboratory concept and he had it you know coded on his computer with a little Wii board plugged into it. And you could just hear the inventor rolling his eyes when he saw it. He's like, oh, this is not going to work. And, and I, I know very little about software, but they kind of got into it. And you can tell from the tone of it, it was very skeptical. Then the inventor got less skeptical. Then the inventor started getting excited. <laughs> then the inventor really started getting – and it was funny because when Preston graduated from the Straight Shot Accelerator, he was introduced by the inventor. Dr. Stergio came down and, and introduced him and, and really told that story mm-hmm. in, in a much more interesting way, a much more personal way. And I think that he really saw how much you could do with just kind of the simple stuff around you. And so the concept that that Preston established was this sort of low friction, easy to use test that just got the bare data needed in order to get some analysis. And by doing that, he turned something that was 
a scientific concept and really narrowed it to the elements of the product that were necessary to get to the market. Okay, so if we're talking about a bathroom scale that can basically detect a concussion when you've got one, when you've recovered from one, where is it? How come it's not on sidelines across football fields everywhere? So part of that just comes to all the standard problems that, that startups have. So you know, he, Preston is now working with a group of investors who are going to do kind of that initial seed round. It's taken him you know two years to be able to get it together, but we're really excited that there's some real interest in the, in the project now. I always kind of measure this by opening day for the NFL. You know, we've been through sort of yeah. uh, two opening days that we haven't been there, but I'm, I'm really hoping that this is going to be our big opening day this year. That'd be great. Well, on that note, I think it's about time we came back to ground. Um, so please subscribe, rate the podcast, tell others about us, if you will. And remember, you can learn more about our feature technology, uh, the Avert uh, Concussion Technology. We'll put that in the program notes for you. So um, check that out. Uh, for Tyler Sher, Joe Rungi, I'm Charlie Litton saying thank you, and please join us again.